Yo, 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 I am Brad Rickle and this is the Brad Rickle Brief. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about talking. I'm rereading Scott Adams and I'll do a podcast on the, the review here in the near future, but he writes about the art of conversation and I think it's worth expanding on more in detail. Conversation may be one of the few areas I would dare say that I'm a qualified expert in. Not only do I have a degree in the art of communication, if you will. I've been applying my skill set for quite some time, both personally and professionally. There's an argument to be made that most of the good things that have ever happened to me in my life have originated from my ability to communicate with people in a positive way. I'm sure there are jobs that I was not in the top percentile and probably closer to the bottom with technical ability, but people have had a tendency to feel good about themselves after speaking with me, and I found that has more to do with my success than any class that I've ever taken to increase my technical skills. I had a job a few years ago, and my buddy Spensley was referring to me in a conversation, and the response from the other person in the conversation was, Rickle, that that guy who sits in the cubicle down the row and just talks all day? For the first couple decades of my life, that's what I thought it was about, filling the void and just talking. People like what I have to say. They like me. Just keep talking, right? I didn't understand the difference between talking in conversation. And that is a big difference. Few people are skilled conversationalists. Most people simply talk and they're not the same thing. The difference is that conversationalists have learned techniques that are non-obvious to a lot of people. Thankfully, I've had a few people in my life that have really shown me the way. I actually worked with two of them in the in the recent past. And every time I talked to them, I always walked away thinking about how good a guys these were. I sought them out to talk to them. I slowly realized they were demonstrating patterns and their conversation had more to do with asking questions and letting me talk about things I was interested than exchanging information. They asked questions and I rambled on. They were good at conversation and I was good at talking. I learned a lot from them. There are a lot of reasons you may want to start a conversation. Reasons including entertaining, relationship building, persuasion, or just avoiding silence if you find that crippling. People that are poor in the art of conversation will focus on the talking aspect of it, and they might have a tendency to to brag or complain or just do that transactional thing I was just talking about. Conversation is a learnable skill. Here's a technique that is proven to be 100% effective. Signed, sealed, and approved. All you do is introduce yourself Ask questions until you find a mutual point of interest. Dale Carnegie is renowned for their public speaking courses, but they also have developed question stacks that can help eliminate silence in conversations. Here's examples of how a question stack might go for you. Hi, what's your name? Where do you live? Do you have a family? What do you do for a living? Do you have any hobbies, sports? Do you have any travel plans? That's it. Those are the questions. These may seem like they're very personable questions, and they are, but a big secret to a good conversation is that people love talking about themselves, especially if there's an audience who seems to validate what they are saying. The person you are talking to wants to talk about something that they find interesting and and they can sound knowledgeable on it. Your job is to make that as easy as possible. Have you ever walked away from a conversation with somebody and you thought to yourself, wow, that was a really good conversation and that was a really good person? 
If you have, chances are they ask questions and they let you talk. And then they asked more follow-on questions that were pertinent to what you were just at talking about. And we can talk about ourselves and things we find interesting for extended periods of time without even realizing it, even introverts. The reason this works so well is these questions signal to others that you have an interest in them. Most people will interpret your interest, even if you are faking it, as friendly and that you're a confident person. Your job in the art of conversation is to keep asking questions, to keep looking. Ideally, you can settle on something you both find interesting, or at best, something that you find interesting enough to wade in the pool about, to learn more about. That's kind of a, that's kind of why I enjoy doing these podcasts and having people on. Most people have fascinating life stories that just spill out if the right questions are asked. Everyone is interesting, and it's my job, it's our job, to make them feel safe in the situation to share. So ask questions, don't dominate the conversation, and don't get stuck on a topic. You gotta keep moving. If you make the person feel safe and they share, there is going to be a huge benefit that comes out of it. Robert Caldini, in Influence, referred to this principle as liking. People prefer to say yes to those that they like. We like people who are similar to us. We like people who pay us compliments. We like people who cooperate with us towards our goals. That's liking. And having a good conversation has the additional persuasive effect of getting people to say yes to your request because they like you. Think about how powerful that might be, say, going into a negotiation. Instead of diving straight into the transactions of the meeting, breaking it up with small talk, get the person to talk about their life, Maybe they're making some sourdough bread last weekend and they can talk about that for 30 minutes before you get into your salary increase. You're already getting to yes without having to say anything other than asking a question that's pertinent to the other person. In the same way, a person's reading habits should be roughly to read what they like until they like to read. Practicing conversations and this skill of asking questions and listening, you'll start finding mutual areas of interest in the beginning but it'll eventually turn into actively liking to hear people talk about things you might not be familiar with. Passion's something I particularly look for in people now. I've learned that it is more important to seek what people are passionate about than to force a conversation into something that they might find meddling but I enjoy. For instance, I'm not a car person, but when talking to, what are they called, car junkies, gearheads, the conversations are fun because I'm coming at it from such a novice point of view. I have a tendency to ask them questions they normally don't get if they're talking to another gearhead. It does seem to emasculate me in their eyes quite a bit, especially regarding cars. That's a trade-off I can accept. Questioning my manhood, but they like me a lot more and have a tendency to be persuaded by things that I say. An interesting point to consider is how do you show that you're interested in a conversation when you're not talking? Keeping one's body language open when you're having a conversation is a great way to signal that you're interested. Tip one, smile. Not enough people do this. My buddy Henson, who I went to high school with, he always had a joke saying, I just walked around like I was just mad at the world. And that's a negative, right? People went into conversations with me already thinking I was a jerk. It didn't do me any good. And it's not going to do anybody else any good. So if you're walking around looking mad at the world, 
having resting bitch face, do yourself a favor and smile. Here are a few other tips on how to signal that you're interested in a conversation. Pointing your body towards the other person. Look at them while they're talking. Tilt and nod your head. Signs that you show that you're listening and understanding. If you're confused as to what to do, here's a simple trick. Just mirror what the other person's doing. Stand how they're standing. Sit how they sit. Move your arms as they do. People really find it can look funny to outside observers, but inside the small world of that conversation, people find these types of gestures very comforting. Let us say that you actually get put on the spot during a small group conversation and everyone turns to you to entertain the group for a moment in time. It is important to have a couple stories to bust out to keep people engaged and ideally get people to laugh. If you know me well enough, you've probably heard the time that I went to my old high school state basketball tournament when I was in college. You probably heard me talk about the story of the time I tried to get to Sarah Pagorek's party, and it all went wrong. So how do you tell a good story? There are two principles to go off of, and if you violate either one of these, just pull the ripcord, get out of there, you're done. First, keep stories brief. The longer the story, the funnier it has to be. Those are a direct correlation. If you're telling a long story, it better be one of the funniest stories as well. No one likes a long story. We don't have the attention span for it. Secondly, preparation, but in the sense of not sitting down and and writing your notes and going down to the comedy cellar and throwing the bit out there for people so you can craft it. But don't make the story up as you go. Have a general sense of what the story is before you start talking. You should have the story worked out beforehand because after a few drinks, you're going to mess up the punchline. There are basic patterns to a story that are tested and true. First, the setup. This goes along with keeping it short. Start the story with, I was on a date. Keep it short, just so that you don't need to explain the day's events leading up to the date. Make sure you set up a pattern. Humor in storytelling consists of violating the pattern. And I talked about that on the last podcast, reviewing the book Impro. Otherwise, all you're doing is regurgitating a story. And that works well when you're just sitting down with your partner at the end of the day, going over the day's events. But it's not great for a cocktail hour story. Make sure to foreshadow. Leave clues that people can grab onto as the story unfolds. Like the part in the story where... That's when Link went to the closet and got his costume from the previous year's Halloween and brought it out. That's foreshadowing. Get character profiles into the story. The waiter, he was clumsy, and I think he was high. This kind of brief profile fills the audience in. Importantly, your audience can start filling in details with their imagination because you want to keep the story short. You want to keep it brief. Drama and humor has more to do with relationships than personalities, but the audience needs a baseline from where to start. When picking a story, make sure that it's relatable. As we've discussed, people are really only interested in talking about themselves and their interests, so it's wise to choose something that they will find relatable. When I'm talking to my dad, I'm going to get a bigger laugh out of talking a story about how I went to some microbrew and I got charged $10 for what essentially was a Budweiser ripoff compared to telling him a story where my short position in Iridium went long and I couldn't cover. The lesson there is know your audience. And finally, the payoff is the twist. Remember, the story needs to violate 
the pattern. And that's how you craft a story. And congratulations, I just saved you about $100,000 on getting a Bachelor's of Arts in Communication. And when pressed to think about it, that's how this whole podcasting thing started for me. I've really enjoyed talking to people throughout my whole life. I find that people have fascinating stories, and I've had a unique ability to be able to pull stories out of people because I make them feel safe. I make them feel comforted and validated in what they're saying. Now you have a couple tools to go into your next conversation. Remember, the point isn't to sit there and dominate the conversation with your own stories, but when your turn does get rotated to, you should have one, two, three stories that you can bust out and make the group laugh. Then go back to your focus on asking questions and listening. Remember when you're talking, be open, smile, ask questions, avoid being a downer by complaining and talking about sad topics, and have a few entertaining stories for when it's your turn. That's conversation. That'll put you in the top 20% of all conversationalists at whatever event you are. Most people are going to think very favorably of you. I've enjoyed kind of explaining my thoughts on conversation. I really do enjoy talking to people, and I think this is an important topic to kind of discuss further. That is it, folks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Write a review. goes a long way. Let me know what you're thinking, any conversations you might be interested in. Music, as always, is provided by James Spensley. That dude knows how to shred. See you later, folks. I'm out. <laughs>